Blog Talk Radio. It's August 13th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we are joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember Good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone enjoyed this past week and that you had a lot of fun and stayed safe. We've had uh, a number of uh, uh, nice days here in mid-Michigan and uh, around the Midwest, so I hope uh, everybody's enjoyed that. A little bit of rain, but... uh, Hope everybody had fun. Uh, we're going to bring on the uh, other uh, uh, co-hosts here in a couple of minutes. Uh, let's get through these announcements first. Uh, announcement number one, remember the team working for a living supports Medicare for everyone. Also, um, uh, we'd like to see the Social Security uncapped to help pay for that. Okay, Uh, Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Announcement number three, Team Working for a Living continues to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Michigan Building Trades against the legislation introduced to repeal Michigan's prevailing wage. They have renewed their request to decline to sign any petition you are presented with that has anything to do with the prevailing wage. That's a request from the Michigan Building Trades. Announcement number four, automobile fuel economy is up from 2008, but essentially flat since 2014, currently at 25.4 miles per gallon. That's pretty good. I got a new vehicle and I'm getting uh, about that in city and about 33 on the highway, so. I'm uh, real pleased with that, actually. So, and everybody getting a new vehicle ought to, ought to like uh, that. That's up from around, uh, I think, 19 on average uh, in 2008. Uh, announcement number five, UAW Local 22 has held a job fair for people with criminal records. We know that many offenders have made corrections in their life and deserve a chance at a, good, at a job with good wages. Uh, keeping in mind, though, 29 U.S.C. 504. Announcement number six, the Missouri Repeal Right to Work Initiative now has 300,000 signatures and still counting, more than 150% of their goal. This has never before been done in Missouri history. Working for a Living sends a great big congratulations to all involved in making this very special history in Missouri. Best wishes in the coming ballot election. In a related story, on August 8th, two nonprofits have donated $600,000 to two political action committees. American Democracy Alliance donated 350k to the Liberty Alliance PAC and 150k to Missourians with uh, Missourians for Worker Freedom for a total of 500,000. Also, Governor Eric Gritton's nonprofit, a new Missouri Inc. 
donated 100,000 K to Missourians for worker freedom for a grand total of $600,000. Two entities, two nonprofit entities, gave 600,000 using only three bank transactions on the same day to two political action committees that are intended to fight the repeal for right to work. So there's a lot of money in this, and if you uh, can help the people in Missouri with a little financial donation, please consider it. Having said that, given that they've donated so much with so few bank transactions, can anyone say campaign finance report? You know, they probably find another hole, though. It's a lot of money from two organizations to two organizations using three bank tra transactions. Announcement number eight, reportedly Nissan used some underhanded methods during our UAW certification election. We'll have more on that in the show later. Announcement number nine, you may recall we discussed the Lansing Second Ward and the situation there two shows ago, uh, and the results uh, were Jeremy Garza that all of the other unions in the, in the area of Lansing, Michigan, he, he garnered 1,190 votes. The incumbent that has blighted the Second Ward for the last four years at least garnered 660 votes. Union brother, recording secretary for plumbers and pipe fitters, Jeremy Garza, almost two to one. Congratulations to our union brother, even though the endorsement from the UAW went the other way. Announcement number 10. In two related articles in different papers, two subtitles about UAW President Dennis Williams were used. Both included the words, my union, inferring he said that. Dennis, Dennis, this is not your union. It's our union, and we're going to take it back. Announcement number 11. Good old number 45 has been doing a lot of brash talk and has a lot of people on edge. People are very, very concerned, and you'll see that in some of the emails we got this week. That's the end of our uh, announcements. Uh, let's get on to messages and emails. First uh, uh, email. Uh, appreciation to my father who told me concerning this website. This site is actually awesome. That's from Illinois. Thank you. We try. Uh, that's uh, He's talking about our .com website. Uh, we do try to make it, uh, uh, you know, have some value for everyone, and we sometimes actually put a companion piece uh, with the radio show, as we did this evening. So uh, I hope that you... you listening are able to see that companion piece on our uh, website as well. It's uh, under radio show notifications tab. So, uh, Announcement number two, thank you for endorsing Kathy Glasson. I really want her to win, and that's from Iowa. Well, you know, we'd like to see her win too. 
<laughs> nice to have a union sister at a uh, pretty important state, Iowa. You know, so uh, best wishes from all of us that working for a living to Kathy Glasson and her bid to be governor there. Uh, and there's a, also a page on our website that you can uh, learn more about Kathy Glasson. Also, uh, there's an address there to send money should you choose to feel so inclined. Now, uh, this is, uh, I believe this is a message, message from uh, now, uh, number three. Uh, like I always do every Saturday, I went to the store to buy water, and there was no bottled water to purchase. People are so scared. And that's from New York. Message. Uh, number four, message regarding Korea. I'm afraid for my grandchildren who have an amazing life ahead of them. But know if it happens, I am ready. Just figured it would be a natural cause that took me. And that's from Kentucky. Ma'am, you know, I usually don't give a name or gender, but having to know this lady. You know, we, we all uh, are stressed during this time and we hope this doesn't spin out of control. But it sure has the potential to. So we're we're hoping that, that this does not spin out of control. And if it does, that it doesn't affect us here. We, for a long time, have watched war from afar in other countries. And it's not pretty, and it's been censored and sanitized during the last decade and a half or so, unlike the 60s and 70s where we watched it nightly on the television news. It's not pretty, and for those people who glamorize it, they really need to rethink their position. This is an email, number five. Thank you for all what you are doing. I'm reading that verbatim, so for all of what you're doing. And that's from Michigan. And, uh, you know, thank you for recognizing that we're trying here. You know, we've done uh, a lot of things to inform the membership, educate the membership on different issues when they come up. And uh, you'll see this evening that there's issues out there that are still troublesome. Uh, but thank you for taking the time to write in. We appreciate it. Uh, next, as we have this week, in worker news, but first let's have the, this week's quote. This is from Eleanor Delano Roosevelt, and I think it's apropos for the times that we have and the, the pinch point that seems to be upon us with the two leaders going at each other pretty hard. And they even brought in Venezuela. Uh, over the weekend so so far. Hopefully this won't spin out of, out of uh, control. But here's the quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I have seen war. I have seen war on the sea. I have seen blood running from the wounded. I have seen death dead in the mud. I'm sorry. I've seen dead in the mud. I have seen cities destroyed. I have seen children starving. 
I have seen the agony of mothers and wives. I hate war. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Words to, to really think about during our time here. You know, the idea that we bandy about cavalierly threats is just not a good thing to be going on. We need to rethink when we go to the voting poll what we're doing. We really do. None of us are perfect, but this is this is conduct unbecoming. It is one of the things that the Universal Code of Military Justice says you are not obligated to follow as an order. Hopefully, calmer heads will prevail. So, let's bring on a co-host. Uh, let's bring on uh, David first this evening. Hi, David. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Pretty good. Been a good you week. Know, a lot of great weather. Ah, big week here. Yeah. Yeah, we actually got a chance to um, go out and enjoy myself and uh, spend some time on my boat, and that worked. Good. So, yeah, um, we're, yeah, go ahead. You got a chance to be in your boat? Yeah, I actually made a, had a chance to go out and do some fishing and uh, didn't catch a, a ton of fish, but enough. Okay, um, that's nice. Seems like God gives you what you need when you need it. <laughs> Not more than <laughs> you need, but it's just enough. Well, there you go. You know, I mean, you know, as they say, you know, uh, te- teach them to fish, and they'll be able to fish for the rest of their life. If you give them fish, they they're uh, uh, just gonna starve. You know, next week again. You know, so. Yeah, uh, so I'm glad you had fun doing that. There was a brother that caught a fish up in New York. I, I teased him. I said, he had a real nice, it looked like a crappie, real nice fish. And uh, for, I don't know, it was, was good-sized. And I told him, I said, you know, here in Michigan, we use those for bait. <laughs> so, I'm not sure he quite, you know, appreciated my humor, but I did tell him it was a nice fish, too. So, okay, I'm glad you're having a little fun over there. Uh so, uh, Jeff, you, you out there? How's, how's your week going? My week's going pretty good, Leroy. Just doing a lot of relaxing and bookkeeping. Um, so, we're going pretty good. Good. That's good. Yeah, I think. Didn't you say there was some sort of uh, uh, air show coming up, I think, in the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it's on Labor Day weekend at uh, Willow Run Airport. The Blue Angels will be there all weekend. So tickets are $30 for those who are living in the area and want to see the Blue Angels. They're coming. They come every yeah, year. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, I I used to go up to uh, Traverse City and watch them. That was fun up there, too. Uh so they do, they go there every other Fourth of July now. They used to go every year. So yeah, uh, they were there this year. So um, 
Having said that, uh, you want to start your report off, Jeff? Yeah, let's do that. Um, what I'm going to report on is something that most Americans don't know about Ford and GM. Um, many of us older folks remember that for decades, GM was the biggest, the world's biggest employer until 2000. Now, the world's biggest employer is Walmart. And that's a shame that a company like Walmart being the world's biggest employer since they don't respect their employees enough. Anyway, uh, there's some information that some people know about, but not everybody. So I'm going to educate you here. Uh, back in the glory days of the, of the big three, um, GM and Ford, they owned a number of uh, European companies when times were good. Uh, GM for six months, they, they once owned Saab, besides uh, Saturn. They owned Opel. They owned a company called Oakland, which I've never heard of. McLaughlin, I've never heard of that one either. And they had these, and this was the times were good for the big three. They were making profits. And they were buying all these companies. GM also owned Detroit Diesel, Allison, which is that aircraft engine transmission airplanes, refrigerator, appliance. They owned Delco, AC Delco, GMAC Financing, and um, a few other ones. Sword, on the other hand, owned quite a few. They still have some joint businesses with uh, in China, in Taiwan. Um, they owned for a long time Jaguar, Land Rover, and Volvo. They owned Volvo from 1999 to 2010. Um, of course, we know they discontinued the Mercury brand. Um, and they, they sell entry level vehicles luxury cars in the United States, Canada, Mexico, and the Middle East since 1938. The uh, reason why I say this is these, these companies had a lot of other um, a lot of companies that were low volume uh, sellers. You don't see Land Rover very much in the States. You don't see too many Saabs, you don't see too many Volvos, too many Jaguars. They just, they're too expensive. And what Ford and GM should have done was to not purchase these companies, but just put the money away for retirees' retirement plans. You know, we, we all knew that someday all of us baby boomers would retire about the same time. And then with the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, you know, 
GM and Chrysler went through the bailout. And it made a lot of us auto workers a little angry. Those of us who know the history and what products they own. That's time. Um, the bank, the bailout supports GM to sell most of their other companies. Um, Ford volunteered because they didn't take a bailout. Um, it's just a shame that the union, the international union over the, over the years, and these two companies failed to recognize the period of time that was coming where all the baby boomers were going to retire. And now we're seeing a lot of retirement pensions being taken away from people, not just in the big, big three, but everywhere. Teamsters, every every union, non-union, uh, pensions are under attack. So you can blame these, auto, these big companies for what is going on right now and it was the attacks on our pensions. Um, as a fourth generation UAW member, I am very mad about what's going on and everybody should be too. Um, they've seen it come, they, they knew it was coming but they didn't prepare for none of this. Uh, we now have people working two-tier, which we are going to stop Looking for living caucus will um, always remove the uh, second tier pay and give those people back the pensions or give them the pensions that they can live on. Um, not much more to say, but I am just really frustrated with all these companies who didn't prepare for retirements of the baby boomers. It's uh, more than sad. It's almost criminal. And our UAW owns a lot of that blame for not foreseeing it. I'm sure Walter would have uh, done things differently if he had uh, survived the plane crash. Just, you know, the world is not like it used to be. And we have to fight the battles that we can. And hopefully we get more people in, in our side uh, to fight for these pensions. And we've been watching Mark Fields. When he left Ford Motor Company, he took $551 million just to leave the company. That's a lot of money that should be going to the employees, second tier, retirees. It's just disgraceful. It's a spit in the eye. And Dennis Williams, if you're listening, how much of your pension will you lose if the stock market falls below the the magic number that your teams negotiated in the 2015 contracts. I would like to know, Dennis. You say that this is your union? 
like you were said, no. We are the union. And we believe in that this, this, our official song, chant, solidarity forever. And you, sir, are an insult to the entire union movement. So that's all I got, Leroy. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for your fine report. Uh, David, do you have any questions or comments on uh, Jeff's report? I believe the answer to how much money Dennis Williams will lose in his pension is nothing. That's my opinion. I don't believe he will lose one penny. I, I agree, uh, David. Um, I believe he is the $347,000 man. Yep. That's earnings per year. Derived from uh, several different sources. Exactly. Downtown should all be ashamed of themselves for uh, the kind of money they make compared to a you hire second-tier persons that they created, and they should all be as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Well, uh, those are retirement benefits that are known, that are known uh, at this time. So uh, that's uh, it's an interesting report. Uh Jeff, uh, add a little history to it. Uh, in 1971, that sounds like it's a long time ago, but it started with the Powell Memorandum, and that was designed to, to influence the uh, bargaining table in just about any way you could possibly imagine, uh, and and that even today, uh, and. Then, uh, you know, Douglas Frazier in the late 70s uh, wrote a letter refusing to be on a labor management uh, committee by the federal government, stating that the uh, while he liked all of those uh, corporate officials as individuals, when they uh, donned their corporate wear, uh, he did not like them and what he was what they intended to do. With the uh, uh, work of our country, so he uh, did not participate in that. In 1982, we had our first concessionary contract. A gentleman, a brother, by uh, we won't say his name. He was from 659, my my home local, but he wasn't at the you know Pioneer Hall. He was out. Uh, on the highway because we had a motor plant down and a press plant down in Hole, and he was in the motor plant out on the highway and he wound up being the uh, national bargaining chair for General Motors uh, division of the UAW and during that time he presided over the uh, concessionary contract 1982 where we gave up I believe nine uh paid personal holidays. These are full days of work. We work with 
within a, just a very few days of having a four-day work week uh, when you considered all our vacation, the paid personal holidays, and the regular holidays. Uh, we were real close to it, uh, and uh, it was mandatory that you took those days off. Uh, but we lost them, and that, brothers and sisters, is equivalent real close to two weeks. I might be mistaken. It might have been 11 days, but, uh, I, you know, it's, it's been a while. Uh, so it was, you know, it was a lot that we gave up. And we were told that the money that they're going to garner from us giving that money back in paid personal holidays and thus making their uh, corporation more productive by us working uh, was to make our jobs more secure. And, of course, they went out and purchased companies and did not make our jobs more secure. Um, so uh, not our core jobs, anyhow. And they've purchased and sold a lot of companies. And, of course, uh, in the last, I'm going to say, 17 years or so, 15, anyhow, we have had a lot of concessions most certainly since 2006, 2005, when they filed it, and with the uh, advent of the VIBA and now the uh, pension that the corporation, at least General Motors, no longer has to participate in. And people at leadership are resting on the laurels of things that were gained by previous leadership, saying, look what you have. But it's certainly not attributable to the current leadership. Uh, and they uh, need to be removed and replaced. It's just uh, to concur with what Jeff uh, said uh, earlier in his report. So that's a little history um, so that you know the VIBA, since the VIBA, uh, through a number of losses, notwithstanding the reimbursement for Medicare, the COLA catch-up, otherwise known as the Christmas bonus, uh, some health care issues. Uh, the retirees have lost very nearly $4,000. At one time, it was over $4,000 uh, a year. Uh, and, you know, that's a lot of money uh, to take away after you retire. And there's language in the agreement now that would take another $8,500 should the funding go below 80%, as Jeff was talking about. Uh, and as he also says, you know, borders on the criminal to take money away from people that worked their whole life and retired and expected to make so much money, and the corporations are making billions, and that's after they chuck every squirrel hole full, including the uh, dead peasants' insurance of money, and they then are obligated to show $10 billion uh, in the past two years, we've seen General Motors real close to $20 billion, real close to it. I think it's like 19.6, something like that, a lot of money. And where's our share is the question. Where's our share? So having said that, uh, thank you for your report, Jeff. You did a nice job. Our, you know, listeners, I uh, hope uh, we uh, hear from you. Uh, on Jeff's report. Uh, okay, David, uh, 
think you have a very interesting report, just like Jeff's, uh, on a current issue uh, that might uh, interest some people. Um, you know, Jeff had historical perspective. You're going to have a current perspective, and I'm going to wrap it up. So go ahead, David. I would like to start my report by uh, making a statement, Leroy. Um, in a rare moment of agreement with the ruling caucus, we join in their rebuke of the opponents who have gleefully pushed their PR machine into overdrive to besmirch the entire union based on the conduct of just a small handful of actors and to advance their anti-worker agenda. Having said that, um, this week, um, I um, came across an article. Um, it's put out by a news organization called Payday Report. Um, Payday Report is a dues member, is a dues, is supported by dues. Um, they currently have 305 dues paying readers, and uh, I intend to become one of them tomorrow morning. Um, I find this to be a very good um, news periodical. I'd like to have it in my box, in box so weekly. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. Um, maybe some of our listeners would like to um, also contribute and uh, get this in their news as well. Um, I'm not going to read the whole article. Um, it was written by Mike Elk on August 11th of 2017. Um, I'm just going to disseminate some facts from it. Um, they had reporters down in Canton, and uh, what they found down there in interviews with workers that Nissan had promoted hundreds of temporary workers to full-time pathway status in the months that led up to the union election. Um, it was said that the Pathway employees were tough to organize since many of the workers felt a debt of gratitude to management for promoting them. Um, of course, Nissan denied all of those allegations and, you know, that they promoted attempts to counter um, union election. Um, during this um, process down there, Nissan um, did acquire... Um, the services of Littler Mendelssohn. Um, they're a law firm that generally um, supplies um, HR support to corporations and companies. Um, so having said that, um, I believe it was July 20th of uh, this summer, um, it was stated by uh, Dennis Williams that uh, the union has been critical of Nissan's usage of temporary workers for a high percentage of its workforce. Let me repeat that. The union has also been critical of Nissan's usage of temporary workers for a high percentage of its workforce. Having said that, to be in two minds or to sit on the fence are the idioms which capture the meaning 
about the word ambivalent. I would say that that correctly describes the mindset of the sitting caucus and Dennis Williams. Well, certainly he's ambivalent to think that our usage of temporary workers doesn't sit on the minds of other workers who see from the outside to the inside of our union. 2015, two care workers up to $80,000 in some cases to become in-progression workers. Big incentive to vote for the contract. At the same time, Dennis Williams and his bargaining team bargained for unlimited temporary workers. Perhaps Nissan took a page out of Dennis Williams' bargaining portfolio. Something to think about. So that's about what I have to say about the temporary workers, Leroy. Um, These workers should have been made whole in the last contract. The temporary workers, unlimited amount of them, should have never occurred. And Dennis Williams, um, he's ambivalent when he when he points to a Nissan um, as using um, a high amount of temporary workers because he's doing the same thing here. Now I'll conclude what I have to say today in my report, Leroy. Do you have anything to add to it or Jeff? Well, Jeff, well, Jeff you got uh, any comments or questions for David? Yeah, I agree with David. Um, Dennis Williams and this crew, uh, once again, let the companies rule however they wanted to and turn that fire on Dennis. So, good job, Dennis, for destroying people's lives. That's all I got. All right. Okay. I I would add that, uh, as you notice, the comments on this show are never directed at the hardworking union members who go and toil every day, but rather at the few at the top that have negotiated what we have now, concessions at the very top of the economic cycle called the apex. We had concessions where we put black letter print of federal law into our agreement. We didn't just reference it. We put the black letter print right into our agreement so it would be automatic. There is no appeal to Treasury or the IRS or labor. It's automatic. And that is unconscionable. Those laws might change, but we still have them in our agreement at the apex of the economic cycle. 
We didn't ask for anything clawback whatsoever. It's where you get a few things back. You gave up at the bottom of the cycle. What are we supposed to give up at the bottom of the next cycle? We didn't get anything at the top. So, the bargaining prowess of our leadership is very much in question. So, although we do agree with you, ruling caucus, that we oppose those who have taken great advantage and spoke against our union. And we will make as sure as day is long, we will make the managers of Nissan regret their usage of underhanded dealings in this election. They'll regret it. Our members will be represented by us. We'll have another election. We have to wait a year. They'll regret it. So, having said that, uh, that's uh, unless David has anything else to add from his report. No, I'm good, Leroy. All right. Okay, thank you. Um, let me just... Uh, which time? We got a little time. Let me talk about Medicare for a second. Let's talk about Social Security, too. Since the 30s, people have paid into Social Security. In the early 70s, thereabouts, they started adding a dimension of Social Security H, which was for health care, and they, uh, you know, it's been called all kinds of things since, but they break it out. And that was to supply Medicare. Now, the uh, Congress, Rostenkowski was the uh, congressman in charge of Ways and Means, Means out of Chicago for very long time. And he allowed bills to come in to borrow from Social Security. That money was then spent on things, and I'm going to pick on EDS because I'm familiar with it, I'm a, on things like EDS, electronic data systems, owned by the familiar Ross Perot. Well, Rostin wasn't too bad. I mean, he didn't like unions, but he paid his people pretty well. Nobody, you know, wanted there. And he got rich. He got rich. He paid some $2 billion for a portion of General Motors at one time. Very wealthy man. He went to the United States Naval Academy. He was a commander in the United States Navy. Lots of credentials did a good job with EDS, but he did it 
with monies borrowed from Social Security, arguably, to pay him to provide a service. And that was, in large part, to, to monitor the Social Security system to start with. And he, did, he did a good job at that. But he did it with money borrowed from Social Security, arguably, to pay him to do that job. And now he's been made rich, wealthy beyond most people's imagination. And he is but one of the 1% in our nation that control 95% of the wealth. We 99%ers who control 5% of the wealth have been asked with our 5% to pay for everything. Even though the money that was borrowed from Social Security made everybody else wealthy through some project, you can find, you know, it's trackable. So what's wrong? What's wrong with telling the wealthy to pay a little bit. I mean, they're talking now in Congress that the wealthy should pay 44% income tax. And that's, I don't think that's right either. But if they were put into the Social Security system by uncapping Social Security from the 129000 I think it is now, and put all their money at, you know, uh, helping to support that system, there would be money to pay all of Social Security, all of Medicare for everybody in the nation, everybody, and have money left over to retire debt. And we would put part of the one percenters' money shouldering the cost of government in our nation. So let's stop fooling around If we have a union push to do this, like we just outlined here and in other shows where we discussed such matters, then unions would have more popularity than we do now. We do a lot of good things. If we could do just this one thing to impose upon the elected officials of this nation to put a health care system in place that already exists for everybody over 65 and tell it, make it for everybody. Tell them to make it for everybody. Tell Congress. But uncap the Social Security limit of $129,000. Now you pull in the one percenter's money and you didn't really hurt them too bad now, did you? 15%. That's what it is. Not the not the third in the 44 they're talking about, but the 15%. Well, there's some other things they can do to right our ship. But that that's one of the things that we could do that would write our, help to write our ship. And you've heard me talk 
on other two, at least two other occasions about the tax imbalance, the global tax imbalance. I won't get into that tonight. That's for another time. But this whole Social Security issue where, remember, that's our money. We put it in there for retirement. And they borrowed it to make people wealthy. And now the wealthy don't want to pony up a little bit. We're not asking for a lot, just a little. Under current income. Not on the, the you know on the billions they got stashed away. Come on, folks, it's not that hard. It really, isn't that hard? Let's just try and do something right for once. Republican, Democrat, meet in the middle, figure this out. You're all talking about doing this and doing that. Oh, by the way, insurance companies won't do so bad in this either because they'll still have to pony get up a a uh, you know Medigap insurance they'll they'll still do it and they'll still have life insurances and such things although we should probably do away with the dead peasants aspect of it I've talked to a number of the insurance leaders in the nation and they are aghast at what's going on with that how it's being abused so we'll see how that turns out they're working on that so um, on that aspect of my report, uh, David, do you have anything? No. Um, I agree with lifting the cap. Um, I've always believed that's the answer. Jeff? I go the same way. Good report. Okay. Anyway. Thank you. All right. So let me let me address, uh, before I get into the uh, the. Re- prepared report, there's another little thing I'd like to talk about uh, in brief. I don't want to dwell on it because uh, there's been enough press about this already, uh, and we don't want to be having too many black eyes uh, for union in general, although there's probably a couple more coming. Uh, But by way of update, you know, we had some bad actors, as they call them, uh, in the FCA National Training Center. The same day that July 26th that that came out, the UAW announced that you're going to have an internal audit by an outside uh, legal firm on the Ford and the GM entities that are the joint funded entities, supposedly joint funded entities. Uh, and we talked about that in the last couple shows, about how the funding is supposed to go. But for now, we'll just give them that this is uh, funded by corporations. And uh, that seems to be manifesting itself because Ford has said they are not going to share their financial records in their NTC with the UAW. And buying through their legal outside legal audit team, they're not going to share their records. People wonder why would they be so uh, disposed and not express transparency. So <laughs> uh, that's a real good question. The other question, well, I'll just ask this: What does that mean to all of you? 
that Ford will not, and I'm going to ask for email on this, Ford will not disclose the financial records for their NTC. And, of course, GM's being audited. We haven't heard anything out of them. They're mum, as according to this report we had. So it should mean something to you that Ford, beyond the, the beyond what on the surface, you know, the appearances of impropriety, there's more to the structure of Ford not sharing the financial records with the UAW. We'll get into that in the future, but um, that's a question that's out there. If, if those of you who know unions should understand what the question is all about, why is it so telling that Ford won't share its financial records for their NTC? Kind of give you a little hint at the f first part of this this segment. So um, I'm not going to ask Jeff to comment on that uh, this time uh, for a variety of reasons. And, Jeff, you know why, right? Yes, I do. Okay, thank you. I just want everybody else to know that you understand that. You're not being slighted anyway. It's a, there's a reason for that. Uh, David, do you have any comments on that? Um, no, I don't, Leroy. Um Okay. I believe it uh, begs, it begs the question that uh, for some reason they don't want to share. But more importantly, this is so much that the reason they don't want to share. Correct. More Correct. importantly, that that they won't share them with the UAW. Okay. Very, very, very telling to those who really understand, like Brother Skip in Alabama. Thank you, Brother Skip. I know you're out there, and we really appreciate everything you've done over the years. This is finally coming to a head, my friend. Thank you for everything you've done. We really appreciate And all of those around you, and you know who you are. You all know who you are as well. We really appreciate each and every one of you that have participated in finally bringing this to some sort of resolution. And it's coming to a resolution, believe me. There's NTCs out there, and then what it seemed to be breeding ground now, don't they, for this corruption. And then there's other things, other entities out there called Labor Education Training Corporation. And I can just hear the puckering of sphincters in Solidarity House at the mention of those words. Hmm. Yeah. Guys, don't get too indignant down there. And lady. So uh, that's the end of what I had to say on this matter. 
I have another report that we sort of highlighted on the show, and we made a companion page out of it. And I want to thank the team members that brought this uh, to the fore. We had a discussion, and um, we were talking about a completely different issue. And I'll be darned, we we looked at these reports, and there's something amiss. Okay, something very much amiss. Now, we have a companion page on our website, and it's going to be under show, radio show notifications. It'll be the top post. So those of you that want to follow along, okay, and uh, we're going to go down from the top, okay, and it says, uh, you know, that the radio show companion page and some explanation about why. And then it says the image below is part of the UAW's accounting for the tax year uh, for the, I'm sorry, for the year ending. This is not a tax thing because it could be different. Uh, this is for the year ending 2014, and it has as compared to 2013. Okay, and there are two boxes there. And, uh, you know, they might not, they, they're clearer here now than they were when I was uh, putting this together. So, uh, it, you know, if you want more clarity, there's a link to this page. And this is the uh, back pages of Solidarity Magazine uh, that had the uh, report for 2014 in it. This is for the year 2014. Okay, and you can see on the second box down, these, you know, we didn't want to exclude any of their accounting that they published to the membership. This is their publishing to the membership. This is not fabricated. This is theirs. It's a screenshot of theirs. Okay, because we're members, we have access to it. Okay, and we made this access available to you without having to follow through all these documents. But you can click that yellow link just above the, the two boxes here, and that'll take you to the page where these came from, the exact page. Uh, you might have to scroll down just a little bit, but not much. So on the second box, on line three, it says Strike and Defense Fund, and then it has uh, some numbers along there, and it says the increase from the right, it says the increase, decrease, then it has the year end for 2013, and then it has the year end for 2014. Okay, and those are reported, and it shows that the decrease in the fund was 36,658,298.12. Okay, those are dollars, 36 million dollars, and you know, 658 rounded we lost in the strike and defense fund, and that was probably because we had some. Uh, people out uh, or used as defense. It's in just a strike or lockout. This has been changed in 2014 from the strike fund to the strike and defense fund so that it can use monies for other things to defend the union. Okay. And the year end for 2014, as you can see there, very clearly this is the year end Five hundred and ninety million two hundred twenty-two thousand nine hundred eighty-eight dollars and twelve cents. 
that's on line three under the year end for 2014, as, descent, as reported by the International Treasurer's Office and approved by the IEB for publication into Solidarity Magazine for us, the membership. Okay, that's what this is. And that was as of December 31, 2014. Now, we're going to go down a little further. And, you know, it says again this was for 14. And then here's the, you know, the calculations in case you uh, didn't want to try and do those uh, across that. Uh, this is actually an Excel spreadsheet that's been screenshotted and put in here. Uh, and this is the numbers and uh, the 626. And then at the end of the year, we had 590, and the difference was minus 36, just like it said up there. Okay. I might have had a typo because it had 12 cents, and I got 02 cents. So there's a little typo. I think that was 12 cents. Yeah, 12 cents instead of 22. I'm sorry. On the uh, the year ending of 14, there's a it was a 12 cents instead of 22 cents. Apologize for that. Um, uh, so it's 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 rep representative of of the loss of that year. And then the next one is for the year ending ending uh, in 2015. Okay, and that's compared to the year uh, 2014. And so you see that. Uh, as we, again, it's a little clearer than what we thought it was going to be, so we had a little apologies there. But as you go down here, again, the second box, the third line, strike and defense fund. Okay. And over here it says we gained $41 million in 543. And then for 2014, uh, at the end of the year, it says 532, 383, 225, 36. Uh, and then at the end of 15, after everything was all said and done, we had uh, 573 million and some some change here, almost 574 million. Okay, just to round it off, make this report go a little quicker. And of course, I did the same thing below this. You see the little screenshot of the Excel spreadsheet, and I believe we got that one right. There's no typo in that. So. Uh, you know that's that's spot on, and the difference was a positive of forty one million five forty three one twenty seven dot you know point nine nine cents now both of those calculated out pretty nicely, didn't they, even with my little typo, you know they calculated out spot on for their individual report, okay, so it says you know as you're following along when these year-end reports are considered individually, they appear to be very accurate. However, there is a problem between the two. Do you see the problem? The discrepancy is in the year ending 2014. On the 2014 report, it was 590 million and some change. And on the report for 2015, the 2014 report is not 590 as it should be, but 532, 383, 7, or 225, 36 cents. So uh, you have to then ask this difference of 
of fifty-seven thousand, fifty-seven million, eight forty-one, seven hundred and sixty-two dollars and eighty-six cents. There's a difference there because the year end for fourteen needs to be the same year end when it's when it's reported on the 2015 report. It can't be different. It has to be the same. So the question is, Dennis and Gary, what happened to $57,841,762.86? What happened to it? The year end for 14 at 590 on the 14 report, and the year end for 14 on the 15 report are required to be the same. Almost $58 million difference. This isn't a few pennies like I just made a 10-cent mistake. And I caught it now, didn't I? Maybe that was a test. What do you think? 10-cent mistake. This is, 40, 50, this is uh, 50, almost $58 million. Hmm? Where'd it go? We don't know. That's the question of the day. My union has suffered a setback, one of the headlines. My union is honest, one of the headlines. Honestly explained his $58 million to us. We'd like to know. You've been pretty good at making your press releases. Go ahead. Maybe there's some good explanation for it. All we want to do is know what it is. This is not a membership problem, is it? David or Jeff, is this a membership problem? No. Absolutely not. Doesn't seem to be us, the union people here. Seems to be the leadership problem. Well, there you have it, folks, listeners. First, I want you know, <laughs> uh, David, do you have any comments on fifty-eight, almost $58 million missing? You know, um, where to go? I mean, I don't want to say it's missing because it could be some, you know, something that they're doing here that we don't understand as educated people, us geniuses out here asking questions like this. You know, maybe they're brighter than, than us over there in the leadership, but uh, let's just say where, you know, it's kind of like the shell game. Where's the P? Where's P? <laughs> Go I ahead. Believe they should be out. I believe they should be out there now um, making a statement as to where is the slug. Okay. And if these are mistakes in their, in their records, fix them. Give us the correct figures. 
perhaps the feds would be interested in knowing as well what happened to nearly $58 million. Seems to be the... Um, I've always said from the very beginning, when the name was changed to the Strike and Defense Fund, that no member ever saw the bylaws for that Strike and Defense Fund. We're, We're in the dark there. We have no idea what that says. Do you? I don't know. No. I know it's a separate I don't believe it is. They had to start a new trust to do it. Because the old trust, you know, they had to spend that. They used yes, to... You have to... You have to have new bylaws. The IRS knows what they are. That's correct. Jeff? Um, yeah, I would like to challenge Dennis Williams or Gary Castillo to uh, produce the documents. You know, he, everybody wants to know. We are the membership. We are demanding you to give us the answers. And if you don't, it's just Show the black eye on you, and as we know you're listening, to produce the records. Okay, thank you, Jeff. This, I, want to, I want to point out something. You know, when such a, you know, I mean, every month, financial secretary, local union, makes available to the membership financial report. And any member can raise their hand and question the financial report. What about this here? This doesn't seem to add up. Now, that's taken on a whole new dynamic with the ability to go out and and uh, challenge and ask the question, what happened here? To the international, not just the local. Because you used to just shut people down beforehand. Now we can air that in front of a membership meeting that we hold once a week here. For the international to answer our questions. It's not a formal membership meeting, but you know what we mean. The members are listening and you have to answer. And any time they have a question, they can send it in and we'll answer. We'll ask it. So, you know, we're talking. We've raised our hand. We've seen a big discrepancy. We want an answer. We don't know what the answer is. All we know is it's nearly $58 million that seems to have vanished. We want to know where it's at. Little history uh, started in '95 when they began to make motions to, I believe it was '95 convention, move at the convention to defer money from the strike fund to pay uh, wages and benefits. And they also moved to transfer money to the 
OEC fund. Brother brought this up a couple of weeks ago, about ten days ago, and we really didn't work it into the last week's show, but we're going to tonight. OEC is a, a organizational education and community fund. Upon the change in the strike and defense uh, to the strike and defense fund, OEC has no longer been funded, as I read the LM2. That's the report they have to send in to the Labor Department, or the IRS, I guess it is, to uh, assure that uh, everybody's accounted for at the end of the year. All monies. Every penny that's spent is supposed to be on there. So the OEC fund was used uh, very liberally to pay for projects by the regional directors, et cetera. So um, that's that's not all bad, but they used it like that. This this using of money is for other things is not necessarily new, but there's a history of using monies and diverting monies for pet projects. Now is my understanding that's all above board and legal to the degree that uh, it was moved by the convention to do that. Now, for some reason, they had to change the name from the strike fund to the strike and defense fund. We have our uh, suppositions on that, but we're not going to get into that. Why? We'll only say that they have, and now they can use this money for more than strike or lockout members, but for other projects. And that's not the issue here. The issue here is in the accounting process, the year end for 14, as reported on 14 financial report, doesn't match year end 14 as reported on the 15 financial report to the tune of $57 million and change. That's our issue. So that's about all I have to say on that. Uh, so uh, having said that, I want to thank everybody in the, uh, the switchboard that's been listening. Uh, we really appreciate that. A lot of people were here uh, and uh, very much appreciate it. We'll wrap the show up now. You know, our uh, email, if you want to send in a question so that we can ask the international <laughs> on our radio show. And they're listening. So uh, it's working for a living at workingforaliving.com. And, uh, you know, sound, it sounds, it's written just like it sounds. Only four is a number, though. It's not a word. Working for a living. No G's on either word. So. Uh, please follow us on Blog Talk Radio. We're syndicated on four feeds, uh, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we appreciate if you tell your friends. If you found value in this show, just tell one person. Let them know. You know, a lot of stuff comes out of this, this show, and we find out things every now and then. We have to ask them questions about uh, Having said that, uh, shout out to all our friends around the, the world, uh, Norway, 
uh, you are really there pretty much every week. We really appreciate you uh, and everybody else that we have out there. You know, we don't have anybody in Antarctica, so we got six continents. Um, thanks to our friends in Canada and Mexico that are listening. We really appreciate that. And all of our union brothers and sisters and non-union brothers and sisters who are listening across our nation every week. We really appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, this show is having a lot of effect. You know, we, we call them out from time to time on issues of importance to working men and women. For example, the second ward in Lansing. We hope they have the good sense to reverse their endorsement for the general election. The people there have raised, our members have raised the issue that they don't want the current incumbent there any longer. It's blighted area. The property values are going down. Crime is high. Unregulated medical marijuana places. We're not mad at it. We just want it regulated. Jeff Hank was just renounced, our friend of the show, and comes on every now and then, just renounced for putting his, uh, rebuked for putting his uh, uh, petitions in and was told they weren't enough. There weren't enough signatures, and it turned out they were. And then they seem to have a, a procedure uh, matter now that they're trying to uh, hold him up on. Remember, and the clerk is also the chair of the Ingham County Democratic Party. Arguably, two in incompatible jobs. Nobody's fixing that either. Uh, having said all of that, uh, listeners, I uh, want you to have a safe and wonder uh, wonderful week coming up. Uh, stay safe. Have a lot of fun. It's still summertime out there, although it's getting darker sooner. And uh, we really. Uh, want everybody to come back and listen to us next week so uh, have a lot of fun this week uh, we know some of the jobs aren't what they ought to be but we'll work on that soon these uh, alternative work schedules just got to go there's pretty brutal people out there uh, being people being brutalized by them so all right uh, having said that good night Jeff good night David have a good week guys hey everybody Good job, Jeff.